everyone, and welcome to God's Plan, Your Part, a podcast where our goal is to read the entire Bible in a year, seeking to understand God's plan of redemption while discovering daily and practically your part in it. All right, everybody, welcome back to God's Plan, Your Part. Guess what? This is the end of Exodus. We will be leaving Exodus. Book number three, done. Yeah, book number three, done. Uh, so today we looked at Exodus 39 and 40. Uh, I felt like when we were reading it, it definitely feels like kind of a conclusion mm-hmm. to everything that we've been reading. Uh, but as we read over things, Jenny, what stuck out to you? What do you want to talk about today? Well, we were talking a little bit before the episode about how this is like the closing of this this chapter, if you will, this chapter of the of God's yeah. plan. Sure. Um, so I, I kind of like to think back to it, like, where do we start in Exodus? And I really um, just remember back to the people of Egypt forgetting who Joseph was. Okay. So then you get this whole, like this start of God's people in this like bad light. People don't appreciate the Israelites. They're enslaved. Um, So then you keep going throughout the chapters of, of how God works his amazing powers to get these people freed from the Egyptians. They're finally freed. And now here we are. God is finally able to dwell among his people, which is just, it's really cool. It's, it's kind of like in my mind, like God is finally like, good, finally, we've, we've made it. We're here. I can finally like dwell and be with my people because the tabernacle is finished and they're able to move into this, I guess, like new phase of life in a way. One of the things that was dawning on me as we were reading over things is that this is not, I, I don't think God was waiting for them to finish building the building and sewing the clothes. I think God is making sure that the people are taking the right steps to be holy before mm-hmm. God. And so you might listen to it. You might listen to it and be like, so God had to have a house built for him before he could be there. Like, why couldn't he just be there? And it actually seems to be like kind of, kind of what we talked about. I don't know if that was yesterday or the day before that. Um, but God basically said like, Hey, I can't be in your midst because you'll be mm-hmm. judged and you'll be like, you'll be done for. I'll consume all of you. So he's been waiting for the the right circumstances to be able to be with his people without being dangerous to his people, right. um, which is is really interesting. Like I've been thinking a lot recently about uh, how God is all about God's glory, mm-hmm. and it is pretty cool that God is patient. We read that yesterday. God is uh, patient and kind and merciful, so that He's willing to wait to like show His glory until the people are able to safely receive mm-hmm. it. It's kind of mm-hmm. interesting. Um, we've never actually talked about this before, but in case you're curious, uh, tabernacle actually means like dwell. It can mean dwelling, um, it can mean me- meeting place. But basically the the title tabernacle, I know now it feels like this ancient dusty term, <laughs> um, but it actually is kind of like, this is the place where we meet. Mm-hmm. And so... It takes me back to like my kid days. We used to always go to a... Uh, like a church meeting every summer and we would always go and have all of our like large group meetings in the tabernacle or main tab. That's what we always called it. Trendy. Um, But (laughs) yeah, nineties trendy. Uh, But I always thought that was like a weird word, but it it makes sense when put in that perspective. Yeah. You you had some interesting insight when you said this is not uh, the first time that God's been able to dwell with these people. You want to talk about that some? Well, I just think it's really cool. Uh, This isn't the first time that he's like been among or dwelt or dwelt. Is that a word? Dwelt? Yeah. Sure, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Among his people. Uh, because the first interaction that he has, like dwelling with the people that he has created was in um, Eden. And so this is the second time he's able to be among his people. Now there are fallen people at this point. I guess they were fallen in 
that first part too, but as soon as Adam and Eve were fallen, they were cast out. Right. They, they were cast out mm-hmm. of the presence of God. Mm-hmm. They weren't cast out of the will of God. They were cast out of the immediate presence of God. Yeah. And so it, it really is like God has established a dwelling place. But I like to think of it though, like God gave these instructions for the tabernacle. It wasn't just something they made up like, oh, let's just do this so that we can be close to God. Like God gave the instructions to Moses so that he could dwell among his people. Like it's, it's kind of, it sounds dumb to say this because I'm like speaking about God, but it's like endearing a bit. Like he wants to be with us. And like the best way to do so is to have this tabernacle set so that we can be with him. I'm excited to talk about exactly that point. So God wants to be with us. Why does he want to be with us? Uh, If you look at the promise that he gave to Abraham, it was like, I'm going to establish you as my people and my name will be made great. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, yeah, he's going to bless Abraham, but the point isn't to prosper Abraham. The point is to bless God. And so what is happening here is that um, actually... This relates Exodus 40, 14. You shall, uh, this is where God's talking about 14 and 15. God's talking about establishing Aaron and his sons as priests Mm -hmm. and calls them a perpetual priesthood. So what God is doing is he's making a people whose goal is to minister to the Lord for eternity, um, which is what we are still doing. Like we are still intended to minister to the Lord for eternity. That's what we will be doing in eternity ministering to the Lord, um, enjoying him, but bringing glory to his glory. So he's not prospering necessarily the people of Israel uh, because he's chasing after them. Like he is chasing after them, but that's not why. He's chasing after them so that they as a people would bring glory to his name. And when they, when that nation encounters another nation, we will see many times where they're like, oh my word, that's the people of God. God cares for his people. We are terrified. He's the one that took them out of Egypt and did all these crazy exactly. things. So God gets the glory. God wants to d- dwell with his people so that God gets the glory. We benefit from it. It's good for us to be in the presence of God, but ultimately it's for his namesake uh, that he does these things. So it's re- it's really interesting. It's really powerful. Um, I guess it'd be remiss if we didn't talk a little bit about the symbolism. I'm, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was interested in some i don't know if it's symbolism or what you were talking about necessarily but in the little like chunk of text right before the book is over it talks about the spirit or wait let me make sure i say this right (laughs) uh the cloud settled on the tent of meeting and the glory of the lord excuse me the glory of the lord filled the tabernacle and it said moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because that cloud had settled on it. Why is that? My my immediate thought on that, having not read a lot about it, so I'm encouraging you guys to look into it for yourselves. Um, I think the priesthood is now doing those things. So before it was always Moses is the only one allowed to enter the mountain. Moses is the only one that's allowed to talk to God at the like, because it's even said he like spoke to God. And his face face was always shining and all these things. But then there's also another part that we just read about where he was like, I'm going to take you up to the mountain, but you can't see my face or you're going to die. There is a recurring theme in the Bible that like being in the immediate presence of God is not a great thing. Like oftentimes people fall on their face. Actually, Peter, when he, um, I was just reading this morning, Peter um, on the lake, when he realizes that Jesus is God, Mm -hmm. he like falls on his face. and He's like, oh my word, have mercy on me, please. Mm -hmm. Um, 
That's so interesting. People realize that it's dangerous to be in front of God because they're not holy and God's holy. So are there times that Moses is allowed to be in front of God and others that he's not? Because it seems really weird to me. It does seem like God has permitted unique times for Moses Mm -hmm. to be in his immediate presence. But even part of that story was that he like hid in a rock and covered him. Well, yeah, but then there were other times when he, it said he talked to God as he was a friend, like face to face. It's so strange. It's, it's really interesting, but a developing thing here is that it is dangerous Mm -hmm. to be very close to God, particularly uh, when there's sin and separation in our lives. But um, that that is, it just, I guess that confused me just a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it, it makes sense because there are like a little bit of like, huh, what's, mm-hmm. what is Moses' relationship here? Um, but God now is going to be in the, in the uh, holy place. When he comes out of the holy place, that's how they know it's time to leave. Which is cool because yeah. that's again that weird callback to like the cloud and the fire because it refers to that. Uh, that is how he moves. That's how they know so when crazy. to settle down. That's how they know when to <laughs> it's travel. It's like red light, green light for it Israelites. <laughs> it feels a little bit backwards now, but there is some symbolism in, it was talking a lot about the ephod. Uh, the ephod has these 12, like the, the breastplate of it has these 12 uh, gemstones <laughs> representing the 12 tribes of Israel. We've heard all about those before. Really? Remember we well, had we, we've heard about them before. before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, like you mean the tablet back. got smashed? Yes. Yeah. Um, it's just consistently reminding the people, I think of what God has done already. So it's like this constant reminder that God has been at work in their past history through generation after generation. God's going to continue to work through generation after generation. So, uh, just to, to wrap up what is our study of Exodus, we started out with a people who had, you know, no history, really. They were slaves in Goshen. They were enslaved to the Egyptians uh, now they are a, a people with like a rediscovered identity. It's not a new identity. It's just they've rediscovered it. They now understand it better. Now God is in their midst before they were surrounded by all these Egyptian gods that were nothing but idols. Mm-hmm. And now God is traveling with them. Um, they are going to be like a feared nation. They're not going to be people who are taken advantage of, people who are used. They're going to be the people of God. All right. So we are officially at the end of Exodus. Um, I have enjoyed these last three books so much. Uh, I am just always amazed to think about Abraham standing out in that field and God being like, I'm going to make you a nation. Kings are going to come from you like sand on the shore, stars in the sky. Um, I'm sure he thought that was very impossible. Mm -hmm. And now we have an entire nation of people. There is a tabernacle where God lives uh, it's, it's just been an incredible story and we are continuing to live out that story. Like it's not over. God is continuing to move the way God intends to move. So, mm-hmm. uh, I'm just curious, Jenny, as we wrap up Exodus, uh, what is the, your part from Exodus 39 and 40? I think maybe just kind of piggybacking off of that idea is that God has a plan in like in motion for our lives as they reflect him. Um, and I think it's really important to remember that even though something may seem impossible or like ideas that we have that we feel like that come from God that are genuinely from him, maybe it seems like totally impossible to do or to achieve or, um, to achieve for his glory. Like you have, like it has to start somewhere. And I think that was definitely true of Abraham. It's definitely true of these Israelites who are just kind of like out wandering right now. Uh, but their purpose is so clear to us. Hindsight. Like we can see it all happening. But uh, another thing that I found really, I think, applicable from chapter 40 was just how it ended when they are talking about beginning to move from place to place. 
It says, throughout their journeys, and this is in chapter 40, verse 36, throughout their journeys, whenever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then it did not set out till the day that it was taken up. And I think sometimes for us, like in our lives, there are definitely moments where we just are like, okay, we're just going to move. We're going to jump on this. We're going to like do what we think is correct. But if not, if we don't wait for God and his direction, um, we can find ourselves really lost. Uh, but just like these people did, they, they waited until the Lord was ready to move them and was able to fulfill his plan based on um, following his direction. So I think that can apply to us for sure today. It might be a little bit of a stretch, but I definitely see that even for myself. Like sometimes I'm just ready to jump the gun and just do what I think is, is necessary or right, um, but really finding peace and following what God wants for me in his timing. So we bring God the most glory when we are committed to his plan. Right. So ultimately, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to glorify God. And when we submit to his plan, man, it is, it is painful sometimes mm-hmm. to submit to God's plan and God's timing. Uh, but when we come under that, ultimately, that is when he gets the most glory. Mm-hmm. Because it would be easy for somebody to look at you and be like, well, you did all that. <laughs> And it's much more amazing when it's like, wow, how did God do all that? Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, Uh, we will be in Leviticus tomorrow. A lot of you probably shiver at the (laughs) idea of reading Leviticus tomorrow. Um, But I have read through Leviticus a couple times. And honestly, it has really spoken well to my life and my understanding of who God is. And so please don't shiver at the term Leviticus. (laughs) Uh, and get excited about seeing like God's um, design and desire for how his people should live and how they can honor him. So we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening to our take on God's word. Stick around and listen to the word uh, on the second part of the podcast. Before we get in there, uh, we just want to remind you, you can connect with us at any time on social media and YouTube at God's Plan Your Part. Also, we are a listener-supported podcast, so if you ever want to help us out with the ministry that we're doing, uh, you can do that by clicking the link in our description. And now, here's the reading for today. Exodus chapter 39. From the blue and purple and scarlet yarns, they made finely woven garments. For ministering in the holy place, they made the holy garments for Aaron, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He made the ephod of gold, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, and fine twined linen. And they hammered out gold leaf, and he cut it into threads to work into the blue and purple and scarlet yarns and into the fine twined linen. In skilled design, they made the ephod attaching shoulder pieces joined to at its two edges, and the skillfully woven band on it was one piece with it and made like it, of gold, blue, and purple, and scarlet yarns, and fine twine linen, as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made the onyx stones enclosed in settings of gold filigree, and engraved like the engravings of a signet, according to the names of the sons of Israel. And he set them on the shoulder pieces of the ephod to be stones of remembrance for the sons of Israel, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He made the breastpiece in skilled work in the style of the ephod of gold, blue, and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. It was square. They made the breastpiece doubled, a span its length and a span its breadth when doubled. And they set it in four rows of stones. A row of sardis, topaz, and carbuncle was the first row. And the second row, an emerald, a sapphire, and a diamond. In the third row, a jacinth, an agate, and an amethyst. And the fourth row, a beryl, an onyx, and a jasper. They were enclosed in settings of gold filigree. They were twelve stones with the names according to the names of the sons of Israel. They were like signets, each engraved with its name for the twelve tribes. 
and they made on the breastpiece twisted chains like cords of pure gold. And they made two settings of gold filigree and two gold rings, and put the two rings on the two edges of the breastpiece. And they put the two cords of gold in the two rings at the edges of the breastpiece. They attached the two ends of the two cords to the two settings of filigree. Thus they attached it in front and made two rings of gold and put them at the two ends of the breastpiece on its inside edge next to the ephod. And they made two rings of gold and attached them in front of the lower part of the two shoulder pieces of the ephod at its seam above the skillfully woven band of the ephod. And they bound the breastpiece by its rings and the rings of the ephod with a lace of blue so that it would lie on the skillfully woven band of the ephod and that breastpiece should not come loose from the ephod as the Lord has commanded Moses. He also made the robe of the ephod woven of all blue, and the opening of the robe it was like the opening of a garment, with a binding around the opening, so that it might not tear. On the hem of the robe they made pomegranates of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. They also made bells of pure gold, and put the bells between the pomegranates all around the hem of the robe between the pomegranates, a bell and a pomegranate, a bell and a pomegranate, around the hem of the robe for ministering, as the Lord had commanded Moses. They also made the coats woven of fine linen for Aaron and his sons, and the turban of fine linen, and the caps of fine linen, and the linen undergarments of the fine twine linen, and the sash of fine twine linen, and of blue and purple and scarlet yarns embroidered with needlework as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made the plate of the holy crown of pure gold, and wrote on it an inscription like the engraving of a signet, Holy to the Lord, and they tied to it a cord of blue to fasten it to the turban above, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Thus all the work of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting was finished, and the people of Israel did according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so they did. Then they brought the tabernacle to Moses, the tent and its utensils, its hooks, its frames, its bars, its pillars, and its bases, the covering of the tanned ram skins and goat skins, and the veil of the screen, the ark of the testimony with its poles and mercy seat, the table with all its utensils and the bread of the presence, the lampstand of pure gold, and its lamps with the lamps set on all the utensils and the oil for the light, the golden altar, the anointing oil, and the fragrant incense, and the screen for the entrance of the tent, the bronze altar, all its grating of bronze, its poles and its utensils, the basin and its stand, the hangings of the court, its pillars and bases, and the screen for the gate of the court, its cords and its pegs, and all the utensils for the service of the tabernacle, for the tent of meeting. The finely worked garments for ministering in the holy place, the holy garments for Aaron the priest, and the garments of his sons for their service as priests, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So the people of Israel had done all the work, and Moses saw all the work, and behold, they had done it, as the Lord had commanded, so they had done it. Then Moses blessed them. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, on the first day of the first month, you shall erect the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and you shall put it on the ark of the testimony, and you shall screen the ark with a veil. And you shall bring in the table and arrange it, and you shall bring the lampstand and set up its lamps. And you shall put the golden altar of incense before the ark of the testimony, and set up the screen for the door of the tabernacle. You shall set the altar of burnt offering before the door of the tabernacle of the tent of meeting, and place the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar, and put water in it. And you shall set up the court all around, and hang up the screen for the gate of the court. Then you shall take the anointing oil, and anoint the tabernacle and all that is in it, and consecrate it and all its furniture, so that it may become holy. You shall also anoint the altar of the burnt offerings and all of its utensils, and consecrate the altar, so that the altar may become most holy. 
You shall also anoint the basin and its stand and consecrate it. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting. Then you shall bring Aaron and his sons to the entrance of the tent of meeting and shall wash them with water and put on Aaron the holy garments. And you shall anoint him and consecrate him that he may serve as the priest. You shall bring his sons also and put those put their coats on them and anoint them as you anointed their father as they may serve as serve me as priests. And their anointing shall admit them to a perpetual priesthood throughout their generations. This Moses did, according to all that the Lord had commanded him, so he did. In the first month, in the second year, on the first day of the month, the tabernacle was erected. Moses erected the tabernacle. He laid its bases and set up its frames and put in its poles and raised up its pillars. And he spread the tent over the tabernacle and put the covering of the tent over it, as the Lord had commanded Moses. He took the testimony and put it into the ark and put the poles on the ark and set the mercy seat above on the ark. And he brought the ark into the tabernacle and set up the veil of the screen and screened the ark of the testimony as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the table in the tent of meeting on the north side of the tabernacle outside the veil and arranged the bread on it before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the lampstand in the tent of meeting opposite the table on the south side of the tabernacle and set up the lamps before the Lord as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put the golden altar in the tent of meeting before the veil and burned fragrant incense on it as the Lord had commanded Moses. He put in place the screen for the door of the tabernacle and he set the altar of burnt offering at the entrance of the tabernacle of the tent meeting and offered it, offered on it the burnt offering and the grain offering as the Lord had commanded Moses. He set the basin between the tent of meeting and the altar and put water in it for washing, which was Moses and Aaron and his sons, where they would wash their hands and feet. When they went into the tent of meeting and when they approached the altar, they washed as the Lord had commanded Moses. And he erected the court around the tabernacle and the altar and set up the screen of the gate of the court. So Moses finished the work. Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting, because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Throughout all the journeys, wherever the cloud was taken up from over the tabernacle, the people of Israel would set out. But if the cloud was not taken up, then they did not set out till the day that it was taken up. For the cloud of the Lord was on the tabernacle by day, and fire was on it by night, in the sight of all the house of Israel throughout all their journeys. Thanks so much for listening to God's Plan, Your Part. If anything stuck out to you, if you have any questions, or if you'd like to receive a Bible, you can email us at godsplanyourpart at gmail.com. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, please consider supporting us through the link in our description. We love that you're on this journey with us, and we hope you have a great day. See you tomorrow.